on another exciting entry of Animation Deliberation, we're tackling a movie, another movie. It is My Hero Academia World Heroes Mission. So we're going to get right into that after some ads we have no control over. When it's time to give a truly special gift to that special someone in your life, why not turn to a jeweler you can trust? Solomon Brothers Jewelers is a family-owned business that's earned Atlanta's trust for decades with high quality, low prices, and the largest selection. Solomon Brothers has thousands of wedding bands, engagement rings, and loose diamonds in stock. Shop Solomon Brothers online at SolomonBrothers.com, SolomonBrothers.com, or stop by stores with locations in Buckhead or Alpharetta and experience the best. Sing along if you know the words. One, two, three, it's time for animation, deliberation, a conversation and a celebration of our favorite action animated series. Yeah. Always plus ultra with the song. Thank you. Thank you. Go beyond plus ultra is what we do here. (laughs) All right, folks. Well, welcome back to Animation Deliberation, the podcast that takes action, animation and cartoons seriously, but not too seriously. Normally, we discuss uh, action animated series and cartoons, but I am excited to be tackling a movie that's out in theaters right now. And to do that, well, of course, I am Jay Scotty, your host. To do that, I am joined by the person that I started this podcast with that has introduced me to a number of great animated shows, including My Hero Academia. What is up, Zuhair? How's it going? It's going pretty good. It's dark outside already which means that uh when i complain about being tired it's a little more justified it's like it's dark out i have a right to be tired um so there's oh, a yeah. positive of daylight savings uh aside from that i'm doing well yeah i think i have a perfect record on shows that i've recommended that you've watched and liked yeah i'd say so i don't think yeah. i've i've given a bad bad recommendation yet <laughs> i'm gonna no, toot my no. own horn there <laughs> no go ahead and toot that horn you're yeah you've got a, a stellar track record so far i think the only ones and i'm saying this with a caveat because i did enjoy modok for the fo- most part but i know the reception of that one was a little mixed and that was totally my idea i was the one that was excited about that <laughs> that was when i watched yeah. it i was like oh we're gonna cast about this, aren't we? I think that was that was everybody because Jeff was initially <laughs> supposed to join us for that too, and I think that was his we response as well. <laughs> That's uh, Jeff Randall of the MCU cast for uh, for uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. For anybody that's a first time <laughs> listener here, hopefully we've got some people you know that are checking us out because we're tackling My Hero Academia. Now, um, before we get into the nitty gritty, let's do a little bit of housekeeping. We've been. Uh, bringing up the five-star reviews that we've been getting, and we've got a couple of those queued up. Some ones that I'm I'm excited to share with the listeners. So, Zuhair, you've got those pulled up for us, right? Yeah. appreciate everybody who sends these in, and uh, we have so many to go through that we're going to read a couple today. So, Woo-hoo. thanks for writing in, everybody. going to start off with GJN27, uh, caption being, best new edition. This is the absolute best new addition to the Stranded Panda family. Both the hosts and guests are fantastically well-informed and knowledgeable on the topics discussed and has opened my eyes to much more about the animation styles and what goes into creating these animations and the work needed by the animators. Can't wait for Invincible Season 2 to hear their recaps. Awesome. Awesome. It's not animated, but those kind words make me want to respond like uh, Mike Myers from Wayne's World. Just, we are not worthy. We are not worthy. (laughs) (laughs) 
uh, yeah, true, truly kind words that uh, warm my heart and uh, make me excited to continue to do do this cast. So thank you. We're happy. You're happy. Yeah. And then next one, five star, awesome by Gru- Drew Grech. Gretch. I think it's uh, Gretch. Forgive me if I said that wrong. I'm gonna go with yeah. Gretch. The Invincible coverage has been absolutely fantastic. Big fan of Marvel and Star Wars, not necessarily in that order. And I love their deep dives into Bad Batch, Modoc, and What If. I'm glad you enjoyed our Modoc coverage. Yeah, speaking of. <laughs> <laughs> Bad Batch set a bar for me. Yeah. It, it set a bar. For sure, for sure. Actually, on the subject matter of, of Bad Batch, it's kind of a nice time to bring up Star Trek prodigy i i went ahead and checked out the first episode of that show on paramount plus and i definitely got some bad batch vibes i felt like with the success of of bad batch for star wars star trek was like oh we need to do our own kind of version of that and i do think it's a little more uh geared towards a, a younger audience by focusing on adolescent characters but um we're not going to cover that show specifically here just because we've got so much content but i do encourage everybody to check out the star trek universe podcast matt carroll and david c robertson do that show and it's a part of the stranded panda network here so if you're a fan of star trek and uh interested in that animated series i know we got some feedback requesting that we cover that show uh go check them out i can't encourage you enough to, to do that because I've never seen anything Star Trek, so you don't want to hear anything from me. I feel like I'm going to piss a lot of people off if I give that a shot. Yeah. But yeah. Also, I heard today that um, T-Mobile customers can get Paramount Plus for free for a year, Ooh, even okay. if you already have their service. Well, that's um, a nice offer. So if you're a T-Mobile customer, look into that if you're running out of content to watch, because I kind of want to do the, the iCarly reboot more than anything. I'll oh, nice. Okay. okay. Admit. <laughs> so I right. think I know that's on there. That's funny. That's funny. I know uh, I didn't watch too much iCarly just because it was a little bit after my time, but I definitely watched a fair amount of Drake and Josh. I know uh, Drake Bell, unfortunately, has been in the headlines for not the greatest reasons, but uh, I definitely have love for that Nickelodeon stuff. But that being said, uh, with my little bit of exposure with the Paramount Plus app, it was it was one of the worst apps I've ever used. So um, if you do check it out and want to send them some feedback, hopefully they can do something (laughs) to optimize that app and and make it a little more functional. But that's all I'll say about that. You know, Drake Bell voiced, um, I think it was Ultimate Spider-Man on one of the Disney X. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds about right. Yeah, I think I, I did. Like, Man, this voice is killing me. Whose is it? Okay, okay. And I know uh, on the other side of things, as far as like Disney series goes, Boy Meets World, Will Friedle, uh he had a long running, well, not super long running, but he was on uh, Kim Possible as Ron Stoppable, but then he went on to voice Star-Lord in a couple of the Marvel series. I think it might have been in one of those... Um, excuse me, uh, Spider-Man series and maybe like Hulk Agents of Smash or something like that. But yeah, interesting. nice to hear his voice. But we are not here to discuss Marvel this time around. We're not even here to discuss DC this time around. But we are discussing heroes. And uh, those are... Talking about American content. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it is uh, My Hero Academia, World's Hero Mission. And this is the third theatrically released uh film for this animated this excuse me this anime series and before we we talk about the film forthright and i don't know how long a conversation that's actually going to be because we kind of talked off air it's a fairly simple story i think it clocks in at like an hour 37 um if the runtime if i remember correctly okay yeah so sounds about right there so before we do that let's just talk about the series a little bit um you know 
how you got introduced to it, some of your favorite characters, how much of it you've seen. Do you watch the sub? Do you watch the dub? You, you know, so because you were the one that kind of encouraged me to check the show out and introduce it to me in the first place, I will let you take the floor. I'm going to mix in a couple of things here. Yeah. Uh, first off, I think I started watching the series three years ago, maybe two, three years ago. Okay. Because uh, I remember binging the first three seasons altogether. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was one of those things where it's like, you see the memes on Facebook, you see people talk about how good it is. You have friends always tell you, you've started it, started it, started it. <laughs> um, so that's, that's what it takes for me to get to an anime started. Cause there's just so many that you never know, like what's mainstream. No doubt. But my hero academia is on my Mount Rushmore of anime. So you have Dragon Ball Z, Naruto, Demon Slayer, and my hero, my hero academia currently. Sure. So that's how high I hold it. Uh, that being said, um, where was I going with that? Uh, oh, just... yeah. I want to hear what your uh, Mount Rushmore is. So if you're an anime fan and you like more than four animes, send us an email. Yeah. And let us know uh, what your four are, because I'm very curious of what people's rankings like that are. Yeah. Uh, animation deliberation podcast at gmail.com is where you can send your anime uh, Mount Rushmore. And we also did just, uh, I, I made an Instagram uh, for animation deliberation. So that's just simply animation deliberation. You can also hit us up there as well as the Twitter. Do we want to uh, read off the people who emailed us back last week with their theater experience? Oh yeah, I completely uh, forgot to do that. We just uh, kind of moved on from the reviews right into um, the My Hero Academia stuff. But yeah, that's, this is a, a good time to kind of address that while we're talking about where to hit us up. Uh, we did put the prompt out at the end of the last episode just to kind of test everybody out to see who listens till the end. Uh, we had the question or the prompt to tell us what the first animated feature that you got to see in theaters was. And, theaters was i don't know why the grammar sounds wrong to me there but i think it makes sense (laughs) Uh, we did have a couple of people respond to us so uh one of those being the esteemed Haley hobbs who has appeared on the show the esteemed Haley hobbs says (laughs) i couldn't remember i couldn't remember but when jay scotty said page master that definitely sparked a memory so i'll say that and then she winked and stuck her tongue out at us yeah sparking um, a memory i have to imagine is is kind of intentional <laughs> because she is the co-host of spark ah! <laughs> yeah stranded so, panda a reading collective source page is a reading collective i'm so tired you're gonna, i'm blaming you're i'm blaming daylight savings <laughs> it's all the good. next one <laughs> my good friend tj stafford mm-hmm. tj Oh, and P.S. My first animated theater experience was Batman Mask of the Phantasm. Probably explains a few things about the trajectory of my life. To this day, it's my favorite on-screen Batman story ever. Rightly so. Rightly so. Yeah. So, yeah. Mask of the Phantasm came out in 93, I want to say. So. I looked it up. Why didn't I look up the release date? I just yeah. went straight to images. There's a strong possibility that might have uh, been one of the first ones for me as well. I just have the most vivid memories of Page Master as well. But Mask of the Phantasm is an 
excellent, excellent Batman story right up there with um, some of the, the live action ones. So yeah, great call there, TJ. If anybody has not, for some reason, uh, revisit the mask of the phantasm in a while, definitely encourage you to do so. December 25th, 1993. There we go. I was just a, a wee three-year-old, almost, almost four-year-old. <laughs> that was a few months. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, back to uh, animated stuff that we've seen in theaters in this yeah. year, 2021. Uh, yeah, it was the third movie. I ranked them in the order that they came out. The first one was amazing. Okay. The second one wasn't too bad, and this one like was whelmed. And, and without spoiling anything, this one had the same problem that the second movie had, where it's like, I don't like invincible villains. Okay. And that's one of the things I appreciate about the show is that every hero's power has a weakness and nobody is substantially stronger than anybody else. Like heroes and villains always go toe to toe. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have the cliche of like, we need everyone's power to come together to do this and this and that. Like, it's like, no, everyone's got their limits. Everyone's got their issues. So this sure. is the second time they threw a villain that kind of hit too many cliches that it just wasn't a fan okay. of. I think that's a, a fair critique while we're kind of like in non-spoiler spoil, spoilery territory. Uh, yeah, so you mentioned the first two ones that were released now. Um, as far as the order goes, it was two heroes and then heroes rising and now world's hero mission. Is that correct? Yep. Okay, and then... I'm vaguely familiar with the plot of one of them. I know because in the anime, they kind of, I can't remember which season is, but they kind of like make the mention of the fact that All Might at one point in time had an American sidekick mm-hmm. and it kind of, you know, sets it up that uh, they might be making a, a trip to America to visit that guy and his daughter. So was that the first one that came out, I imagine? Yeah, that's the only one that could actually really be canon if it wanted to be. Okay. Like, it didn't deviate too much away from the story, and there wasn't anything in it that, like, set the path off. Whereas, like, big things happened in this one and the second one where it was like, no, that doesn't make sense in the story at all. It looked cool. It doesn't make sense at all. So the first one was the only one that was very cohesive. Okay. And it is also, fun fact, the only time that you see Midoriya and All Might fight together. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, because... Thinking back on it, I can only think of one instance where, yeah, they weren't fighting side by side, but like Azuku they were on kind the of battlefield at the same time. That's about it. Yeah, I was thinking of the fight with uh, all for one, or is it one for all? I always, I feel like I always invert those. It's like one no, is the, the power the and the one is the cocky one is all for one. Okay, that's so right. that's how I okay. think of it. It's like all for one, one like, individual. I want yeah. I take all for me. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So I, I kind of put that in my head every time if I get confused. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. And then um, just while we're kind of talking about where these films kind of like lie in the continuity and where they take place, like I for myself have seen uh, through season four. So with this film, I do think there were some things that. Uh, address some things that took place in season five that I scratched my head a little bit. I bet I kind of just rolled with it. Um, chiefly, I'll, I'll just say it looks like uh, Midoriya has a new power, kind of like that intangible black whip that he tends to use that effectively makes him Spider-Man. Yeah, um, it's actually called Black Whip. Oh, interesting. Okay. I, yep. and, yeah, It kind of reminded me of um, Tokoyami's uh, uh, Dark Shadow. 
Yeah. In that way. That it's like it's almost like a shadow that gets emitted from him. Um, so there was that. And then I think the only other thing that kind of like stood out to me is the fact that uh, Bakugo and Midoriya are a part of Endeavor's hero agency for their hero studies, it appears, where I don't think that was the case beforehand. I think it was just Todoroki. Yep. I won't go uh, too much in the origin of Black Whip. Okay. Like, there's a whole arc on it. So it's like when you watch it, like you'll learn because it explained very well. There's a lot of lore into um, One for All's power set that's never been discovered before. So there's an arc that talks about breaking down um, One for All. So when you okay. watch it, that'll make all of that very clear. Okay. In regards to the three of them, yeah, all I'll say is that they needed an agency to work with, and Todoroki was like, we can work for my dad if you want. Okay. Not going to break down the intent and what happens in this and that, but like, that's just something. Yeah, there's we have heroes that are working for different agencies, just like when they were doing the, the internship and the work-study stuff. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. It's um, almost so, like these guys are in college. It doesn't seem like a high school thing. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> That's very true. I guess this is just a world where your education and career are very much fast-tracked. <laughs> well, it's, it's another thing in the series that they kind of discuss, too. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, you know, one of the things that makes the show so unique is, well, it's the way they kind of address like the power sets in this world. They're called quirks and the quirks are kind of like the what's up. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I just think you went on our last young justice coverage when we were talking about how the, uh, the, they were like forcing the meta gene to come out in kids. And I was like, that's oh, what right. started the my hero first. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like young justice was just a precursor to my hero. Right. Right. Karen keeps making sense. Like the more we talk about it, I'm like, <laughs> I find no flaw in this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, that's a great and funny comparison there, but, um, yeah, it is the, the quirk or if you want to call it meta gene is kind of the, the focal point of the series. And this, movie in particular because i think it had been mentioned in the show kind of in passing it was never like the biggest through line but there is this theory out there that the natural evolution and the continuation of like quirks becoming more and more powerful and individuals being born that's you know if uh two people with a with different quirks have an offspring they're just going to create more and more powerful people with more and more powerful and unstable quirks and basically it will end the world in what they call the like uh, quirk singularity doomsday theory. Quirk doomsday theory. Quirk doomsday theory. Okay, so we've got this cult, this organization called Humorize that has basically taken this idea and their goal to prevent the destruction of the world is to basically kill all the heroes, kill everyone with quirks, wipe out this quote-unquote disease so that humanity can kind of start over and, and start with a clean slate. Yeah. And yeah, it's um, a pretty interesting story in that regard. And I felt the the threat and the leader of this organization is a guy named Fleck Turn who has a quirk himself. Uh, and you kind of mentioned that with having these like all powerful villains, but his is basically just the ability to reflect 
any physical attack that uh, is done to him. And uh, they, they they do try to have some like nice nuance there and give him some depth with the fact that it's the fact that he reflected everything. It's not just attacks. He was never able to feel anything uh, really made him feel disconnected and uh, caused him to view his, you know, his quirk as a curse. So. Yeah, the backstory was nice. If I had a Monday morning movie medic moment Mm -hmm. with this, it would be that, again, I don't like overpowered villains. Sure. And what would have made more sense, we're going to spoiler talk. Yeah. What made more sense for me would have been if his powers had a limit and he was using a special suit that had the mirrors that enhanced it. Okay. Because then you have the objective of like, he could have Midoriya could have like powered up and used black whip to target the mirrors and overpower like each one of them and like work his way down to the villain. And then, you know, like both of them are exhausted at that point. You could get a cooler fight out of that. But the fact that it was just like, I'm just invincible and I'm going to keep punching you as a distraction. Like that kind of took me away a little bit, you know, because while this was happening, Mm -hmm. Todoroki and Bakugo were having their own fights because it was like they went in three and then Bakugo took on two of the guys. Todoroki took on this brew and then Midoriya kept moving. I was more fascinated with the other two fights because it was actually head on. Yeah. And like, especially Bakugo's like, I hated the laugh, but not because it was poorly done because it was so well done that it made me cringe. It was one of sure. those things, right? Sure. So it was those villains. It's like, you're rooting for Bakugo, but like you're really invested in how cool the villain is because you know, it's the only time you're going to see them. Certainly. And it's twins and then they get juiced up. So their quirk gets like overpowered and Bakugo's like already. Be- it's like, yeah, this, this is a fight. Todoroki's oh, sure. was fun, but like Bakugo's fight was amazing. Despite yeah. him being like one of my favorite characters, like yeah, I'm a little biased in that, but like yeah. <laughs> I was like, no, I don't want to watch Midoriya like bashing his head against a wall because that's all that's happening right now. Yeah, I I agree with all those critiques, and it's kind of one of my biggest criticisms of the the film as well. It's something that we've already seen in the series. I I feel bad that I can't remember the name of the villain off the top of my head, but uh, it was the villain that basically had taken um, the young girl with the horn on her head and he had like kidnapped her and overhaul overhaul. Yeah. Yeah. So it, I felt like the fight was very similar where Midoriya basically just had to like fight through the pain and keep just like pummeling them until he found their breaking point. And while I appreciate the aspect where it was, it was told through dialogue where uh, Midoriya tells Flecter and it's like, that's, that was where that was your problem. You gave up. You stopped trying. You could have, you know, found a way to like surpass your limits and found a way to feel something. And you didn't, you gave up. And that's the difference between you and me. I appreciate that aspect of it, but I kind of agree with you. I would have liked if he would have had to use more strategy or found a more inventive way to have to defeat him, especially with it being all based on reflection in the back of my mind, I was thinking he was going to have to do something to manipulate light and like the refractions and maybe find a way to like, something like that would have been cool. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of what I was, I was anticipating. But like I said, I did like the fact that, uh, I mean, it's just driving home what Midori is all about. He's just, you know, he wants to be that hero that saves people no matter what, and with a smile on his face. And yeah, uh, I guess they drive it so home 
home so much so that he can be that example to the the other main character. I mean, you brought up uh, Bakugo and Todoroki, who I definitely want to get to into, especially Bakugo. I mean, that you mentioned that fight, it was so bloody. He like got impaled multiple times, and I was just like, yeah. the amount of blood loss between him and uh, Midoriya. I was like, how are these people still standing? Sure. Um, but I feel like the other main character is this character Roddy, Roddy Soul. And, you know, apart from this conflict we have, the the main part of the story is the relationship and the friendship that gets to be built between Roddy and uh, Midoriya, Deku. Is it not Rody? Is it Rody? I, I wrote, I maybe it is Rody. I just kept saying Roddy, but I think you're right. It is Rody because I remember thinking in the theory, in the theater, I was thinking um, War Machine for a second. But yeah. I, I think I had that same mindset too, which is. Okay. Let's go with Rody. Rody sounds cool. Yeah, I, I think it is Rody. Yeah. So, and then I guess that's the thing with the film being called World Heroes Mission. It usually all takes place in Japan, but this is them, you know, going out to various parts of the world. And we get to see another country, Otheon, which I'm not sure where that is supposed to be exactly. Uh, it looked very Italy to me. Yeah, I was going to say I got kind of like Prague kind of vibes, like Central European. So we can go with Italy works for me. Um, yeah, I, I thought, you know, he was a good heart and soul for the story there with his starting out as kind of a artful Dodger street urchin scamming people, but his constant exposure to somebody just so altruistic as Deco by the end there, he's able to be, you know, make the sacrifice and be uh, a really good big brother. And Prince Rodi, fabulous hero of Bothion. <laughs> Works, <laughs> Works for me. Yeah. Uh, they set up that little um like reveal where he told Midoriya that he had a quirk, but he didn't want him to laugh about it, and he tells him off camera, and then it comes back at the end of the movie. I will say that I saw that one coming from a mile away, but you know why you saw it coming from a mile away? Because it was stretched out so flipping much <laughs> for so long that, like, yeah, you had time to think of every scenario, go refill your popcorn, take a piss, come back, and still not know what happened. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't blame the jerks that was sitting in front of me for laughing as much as they were. Mm. It was just one of those things, it's like, know when to shut up, but, like... Sure. I mentioned it in another cast. I'm not going to go into that. <laughs> You'll have to go listen to it to find out. Um, <laughs> but it, it was it was just... Uh, it's hard telling people to watch anime when they keep like repetitively doing the things that I don't like about it. Sure. And this being one of them where it's like... It was almost like a, a Snyder Man of Steel movie where it was like lots of action in the beginning, lots of action in the end, but just such stretched out story in the middle like sure sure wow <laughs> yeah i think you're right about that there's like almost an entire section of the movie where it feels like a buddy road trip where you kind of forget that the villain is even in the picture at all it's buddy just a roadie trip yeah roadie trip there you go there you <laughs> go um yeah I don't, I don't disagree with any of those criticisms, but just to kind of um, flesh it out, his quirk ends up being he's got this little pink bird named Pino that's like always on his shoulder. 
and basically while I described him, you know, as an artful dodger, kind of a con man type character, while he's always doing his best to deceive the people around him about what his actual emotional state or intention is, this bird reveals what his true intentions and the, what his true character is. So, and it's actually revealed that his father, you know, he's, that's part of his character development. He feels pretty jaded against his father because his father was like a part of humor rise and got his whole family, um, like ostracized from the community that they lived in for being a part of it. But you get to learn that his dad actually made the ultimate sacrifice to try and, uh, create a fail safe to save all the heroes. And that, we haven't, I don't think we've done it proper justice, but basically uh, I, I kind of alluded to it, but humorize they've set up these bombs uh, with this trigger gas all around the world. And when these bombs go off, they cause people with quirks to, it basically over, over activates their quirk to the point that they, they die. So anybody that's familiar with the inhuman, sorry to bring that up, but the Terrigen mist, it's kind mm-hmm. of like the opposite of the Terrigen mists where um, instead of, bringing out the latent gene it kills anybody with the latent gene and spares all the humans and that's another uh season five thing where there actually is a juice that's like amping up their powers okay i think it may have been alluded to as early as season four because it's not entirely unfamiliar to me okay yeah Yeah. that was another part of it and i know i've been saying like a lot of negative things but like the story sure the the pino thing was pretty cool it was really cute like when midoriya was leaving at the end and he was trying to keep on a brave face but pino was crying oh i was like oh you should probably but, like the story with his, the story with his dad like yes it was very rogue one but mm-hmm. i also didn't see it coming okay like i i because of like how strong of the cult vibe they were going into i thought his hatred for heroes was actually was because or hatred for whoever actually was because his dad left him so i was like oh man that's actually that's pretty harsh so Mm-hmm. when they threw that in there like it, it actually was uplifting and i i really liked when uh humorize whatever the villain's name was flecked turn or flecked turn flecked turn was the main guy i can't tell you any of like the lackeys they were cool but i don't know any of their names <laughs> yeah uh so when flecked turn actually said like you know what yeah like i'll put on a timer to give them a chance like seeing the montage of the heroes like actually interacting with humorize and they mm-hmm. have people with quirks too so they're struggling and fighting and midoriya's dialogue of like even if they know that they can't win like they're going to keep trying they're going to keep fighting like stuff like that is it is the heart of my hero academia it's that mm-hmm. ability to inspire through dialogue and lead by example and be a hero and do the right thing and don't quit no matter like how difficult the situation is like the the emotional effect that these characters are able to have is such a beautiful thing so it it disappoints me that instead of making it a sequence that kept going within 40 minutes it stretched out over this like 105 minutes and just it, it kind of shot themselves in the foot because those good moments were really good moments, but sure. the fact it took so much nap time to get to it was what was frustrating about it. Yeah. I don't think that's, that's unfair. I do think pacing was a little bit of an issue and things are stretched out more than they should have been. But um, I did want to bring up some of the animation. Like uh, we talked about some of the action sequences, primarily Bakugo getting to face those really uh, cool twins, but 
on the other side of things, I thought uh, Todoroki, not necessarily the villain he fought, but the showcasing of his ice powers. We've seen his ice powers a lot in the show, but I felt they did a completely different twist on it this time with like getting to see like crystalline, like ice formatures, like jutting out like at you at the screen and you're making a face like you know something that you don't want to tell me <laughs> season five <laughs> okay okay <laughs> interesting interesting okay uh but did you you did bring up uh just some of the the lackeys that were um causing them trouble along the way and i think about that one woman archer who was able to like basically oh, fire yeah, their I arrow. forgot about her. Yeah, she was I thought cool. I thought she was super cool too. And the effect that they always used around the arrow reminded me very much of like Midoriya's own power set. And I was kind of wondering if there was going to be a little bit of a connection there, but there doesn't need to be. But nah. I like, yeah. Um, other than that, one of the biggest laughs I got is when uh, Rhodey and Deku were on top of the bus and they were arguing about whether or not to pay for the fare. <laughs> And then Asuka did the Delaware smash with the two coins. <laughs> um, and it's like, then, all right, we paid for two people. It's like we're still sitting on top of the bus. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> um, and then I did like the recurring joke with Bakugo. Like every time Todoroki told him to do something, it's like, "Don't tell me what to do." <laughs> but then he went ahead and did it. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was laughing so hard at Bakugo in the theater. It just yeah, <laughs> he's he's something else. Yeah, you, I'm never typically him. I'm never typically attracted to the hot rod character, but I just can't get over his because like okay. with how with how cocky he is and how powerful he is, he has those moments, those emotional moments where he has his mm. breakdowns. Sure. Or like you get it's it's what I appreciate about um Inosuke and Demon Slayer too. It's oh like, yeah, yeah. They're very like hard headed on the outside, boarhead or not. <laughs> uh, but like when it really comes down to it, and they have their weak moments, like they really dwell into that in the story. And that was another one with him. It's like because you've seen him enough in those difficult situations that when he did get to like near death situations, it's like you mm-hmm. worry, about, you know, he's going to pull through, but you worry about him too. Cause like, that's something that could linger on. If it yeah. Was yeah. It's tough not to compare him to like a, a character like Vegeta, but, and as celebrated as Dragon Ball Z and Vegeta are, I feel like this show, like what you, what you mentioned that pride and that's, uh, dedication to like always wanting to excel and be the best like i feel like they just do such a great job exploring like kind of the some of his shortcomings as well and just the inadequacy that he feels and like why he is the way that he is like um, even in season four i haven't it hasn't all been spelled out for me but just some of those small flashbacks to their childhood and whatnot and getting to see even uh how much of a cut from the same cloth he is as, as his mother just in terms of being, you know, <laughs> flying off the handle and telling you how they really feel. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he's, he's a great character and all the, all the characters are so great and they get such, such rich development. But uh, what I was going to say is you have to have a character like him when Izuku is always as altruistic and uh, just good natured as he is. You, you have to kind of have the, the counterbalance to that. And I'm glad they do. Yeah. We didn't get a lot of all might. All might was definitely, on the sidelines but it's nice to see you know 
him rooting Midori on and, and Midori really come on and come into his own. But uh, what little performance we got from Chris Sabat was great. Young man, you too oh. can become a hero. I actually watched the Japanese version. Oh, did you? Okay. I was, yep. I sh- we should have clarified that at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. So I watched Japanese. He watched English. You did it the quote unquote real, real fan way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, it, the timings were very limited on both. And yes. it was one of those things that my friend that I was supposed to go with, like hates the dub. So he was oh, like, okay. you want to watch it in Japanese, right? I was like, I'm fine with either. I actually liked the voices okay. for both of them quite a bit. Yeah. I, I will say I've I've watched a few I haven't watched as many as you obviously but I've watched a few different anime series and some are better than others in terms of the dub but I've been really impressed with all four seasons that I've watched and this movie included I think you know the entire English class uh, voice cast does a great job Justin Briner doing uh, Zuku holding his own as always uh, Chris Sabat doing All Might that I mentioned and then uh, the newcomer there for Rhodey was uh, Ryan Colt Levy doing the voice of R- uh, Rody and then Pino. Got to give a shout out to Pino. Was Christina Lee? So. V. Christina V. You're correct. Thank you. I my can't read my own handwriting. My V looks like <laughs> I, just, I just happen to have it up on the. <laughs> I keep my Wikipedia pages open more often, saving me a little bit. Um, yeah. yeah. The only thing that so Dragon Ball Z, I can't watch Japanese. I refuse. Okay. I hate sure. that. I just hate Goku's voice so much. Hmm. Um, I watched English Dragon Ball or in Japanese. Japanese Midoriya and Zenitsu. The okay. screaming just drives me up the wall. I hate hmm. it so much. It's so overdone. That's interesting to hear about Chill. Zenitsu, particularly because even his English one, I feel like, is already over the top. So. <laughs> Yeah, I I can't stand it on either. Um, Hi, I'm playing Nezuko. the demon. <laughs> Jesus, I'm playing the the Demon Slayer game right now too. Oh, nice. Every time I have to play cool. as Zenitsu, and like I just like skip, 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 stop talking, please, you whiny little. <laughs> ah. yeah. yeah, that's understandable. Uh, well, but yeah, with but... the show, I'm I'm fine with both. I like I like either of them. Yeah, I did watch uh, Squid Game, and that was one of those ones. It's not animated, obviously, but it had the option between the original Korean, South Korean, or you, or just Korean, excuse me, or you could listen to the English dub. And that was one of those ones like it was automatically set up for English dub, and I watched like five mm-hmm. seconds of that, and I was like, "No, we're going back to yeah. the Korean right now." <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming you did the same thing I did because the opening scene of that show is it explaining what the Squid Game is. Right, so nobody's right. lips are moving. So you have Correct. English and you're just watching it. And as soon as you Correct. watch people's mouths, it was like, uh-uh, uh-uh. Exactly. Back. That's exactly how it went down. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, as we're, you know, going off on tangents now and winding down, I did want to bring up the how successful the movie was uh, in its opening weekend here in the United States. Oh, yeah. It had an opening of $6.4 which might not sound like a huge number, but it was uh, number four. At the box office, which is pretty huge, especially when you have uh, tentpole releases like Eternals and Dune, uh, still still in theaters right now. So very very impressive, and it makes me excited for just how casual audiences are becoming more and more accepting of not just animated content, but an anime as well as you know stuff from Eastern culture. So really encouraging. 
we should watch the first movie together. I'm curious yeah, to see your be down. reaction to it. And then I know, uh, I don't. When was that uh, that Injustice movie? That just. Uh, I think it was released on October 19th, so it's been out for a little while, but I definitely have interest in that. That's the one where... Uh... What's up? Ooh, that's an interesting description. Yeah. I love the Injustice games. I haven't read any of the comics, but just the games alone do a great job of encapsulating the story, and it's it's pretty riveting stuff, so... Yeah, I'm not going to read it out loud in case people are like me and want to go in as blind as possible, but that's Very good. intriguing. I, yeah, I'm going to watch that. Cool. Um, One thing from Season 5. The opening arc is basically Class 1A versus Class 1B. Ooh. And they're, their mission is they're randomly organized into groups of four or five mm-hmm. and they're put in this thing and it's like it, you have to like capture as many of the other people as you can but because we haven't seen B in a while like we haven't seen like how much they've been training and how much they've been upping their skills okay so you get to see a lot of what they've been doing and a lot of class 1a has been doing and how they've been working together and displaying their skills it was quite the flex on everybody so the okay. fact that we got to see that and then see them on these missions working with the heroes that we see more on a regular basis, like knowing what improvements our guys and that B have made and being able to see little tidbits of that in this was really cool. It was very satisfying. Okay. Yeah. I'm trying, I'm trying to remember because they were really only like featured in like the montages where we got to see like the various members of, of class one, a, like you mentioned. Uh, But the one member of class one B whose name I can remember just because it's, tetsu 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 um and he's basically the counterpart to uh red riot red riot i can't think of yeah. his, his his real name i want to say uh uh kirishima i think it's kirishima uh, but yeah yep you know kirishima yeah red riot where they're, they're basically just counterparts of each other they can harden their skin into one metal or the other and then they have like the weird metallic jaw fixtures yeah <laughs> yeah both, both of them are really cool how competitive they are yeah yeah good, yeah, it good was stuff. it was nice like knowing how much that both the teams have improved and the new abilities that they come up with like i don't know if you noticed that like todoroki could actually todoroki no tokoyami could actually fly now so they go into yeah. that a little bit he was flying alongside hawks as i recall yeah yeah very cool. Yeah, so he's part of his agency, and they go into like how he learned how to fly, and how other people like develop new powers or like amped up their powers, and that's uh, yeah, it was a. I was about to say too much. Uh, that yeah. was a that was a cool <laughs> setting that like yeah. you if you watch the season, you you were already filled in on all that. Okay. Okay. Which was yeah. the tricky thing about when the second movie came out was that it came out before season four ended Mm. and there was stuff in the movie that hadn't happened yet and it wasn't too spoily but it was enough to make you just go wait what when did Hmm. that happen i'm sure the manga Hmm. readers got it but as you know i could barely read a text message so (laughs) yeah well 
I mean, with the success of this movie, I imagine there are more on the way and hopefully they get the dub version of season five done sooner rather than later. So I can get current. I should have said my one negative before I pulled in that cool tie into season five. Oh, you're good. So my one negative is that I absolutely loved, loved, loved the suits they were wearing in the opening. Mm. And it really bums me out that that's not canon. Because <laughs> they look amazing and they match so well and they look so cool for all three of them. Yeah. And that was all we ever get to see. Very true. Very true. Was the like, money I'm shot. thinking like, oh, they're going to make Funkos off of this. It's going to look so sweet. I'm going to get a cool poster. That's the only time I'm seeing it now. I'm good. <laughs> you just you just lost a bunch of merchandising stuff off of me. Uh, <laughs> they, they could make an, another appearance. You never know. You never know. But that was the money shot. Yeah. Yeah. It looked really cool. Yeah. Well, uh, I don't know if I have anything else to say on this one. I definitely had a good time in the theater and... Uh, had a good time talking about it. So we do have young justice season four. I know it's kind of, I feel a little bad that uh, I have got ahead of you in terms of having, having watched parts of season four. Well, I know you're still waiting to, but definitely excited to talk about that one as soon as possible. Yeah. First five episodes um, are out. I think when we were, Cord, there's going to be a new episode that comes out, so we might be able to knock out like six at the same time. Oh, sweet. Very good. And we'll have uh, Andrew Rogers join us for that. So Yes. I know While he's very Haley Hobbs continues to message me every week. Oh, we'll have her on soon. Yeah, we'll, we'll have a lot of people on. <laughs> She's, for, just uh... She's like, so have you watched any yet? I was like, I can now. <laughs> well, I'll have to reach out to her so she can... Uh... Let me know what she's thinking. But yeah, we'll have her on. Uh, John Irons, I mentioned, he's definitely expressed some interest there. And then I've also been, uh, you know, slowly but surely working on my rewatch of Cowboy Bebop in preparation for the live action series on Netflix. So, have I. Very good, very good. Uh, we Am will I do our. Through? I think I'm okay. Through. Cool, cool. Well, we will do our primer episode, and I'm pretty sure Brian V. Klein, uh, Haley's co host on Source Pages, will join us for that one. So you can stay tuned for all that stuff. And I shouldn't say stay tuned. I should say keep tuning in. That's T-O-O-N-I-N. We're overwhelmed right now, but you all (laughs) stay wound. Don't get ejected. Thank you for listening to the Animation Deliberation Podcast, a proud member of the Stranded Panda Network. If you would like to contact us, you can email animationdeliberationpodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at animationdelib1. For this and other great shows, you can visit strandedpanda.com or join the great community that is the Stranded Panda Chat Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash svchat. Tune in next time, and remember, stay whelmed. When it's time to give a truly special gift to that special someone in your life, why not turn to a jeweler you can trust? Solomon Brothers Jewelers is a family-owned business that's earned Atlanta's trust for decades with high quality, low prices, and the largest selection. Solomon Brothers has thousands of wedding bands, engagement rings, and loose diamonds in stock. Shop Solomon Brothers online at SolomonBrothers.com, SolomonBrothers.com, or stop by stores with locations in Buckhead or Alpharetta and experience the best. There's a highway that stretches across the 93 days of summer. 
where worship isn't offered to the sun, but to the smoking tire, the S-curve, and the spin turn. And if you ride it, make sure you do it in a Dodge Charger, Challenger, or Durango. Because on this highway, the lines being blurred are the ones between drivers and demons. Welcome to Highway 93. Dodge is a registered trademark.